This is iUniverse Radio, brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is your opportunity to hear firsthand from authors about their new books. It's an in-depth discussion about the author's passion about the development of his or her story in their own words. It's an inside look into the characters and the plot and how the story all came together. Here is iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. The title of this book is The Last Scroll, subtitled It's All About Your Energy, and our author is James Frickton. James, welcome from Minnesota. How are you today? Thank you, Jay. It's a pleasure to be here. This is an intriguing-looking cover on your book. Uh, I don't know whether to describe it as scary or intriguing or adventuresome. How would you describe your book? What motivated you to put this together? Well, this book is a combination of a romantic thriller novel with uh, a self-help component into it. It's interesting uh, how it got written. Uh, One of the things that I wanted to do, I'm, I'm a professor at the university, and I wanted to write some uh, book about the factors that contribute to health, wellness, and particularly chronic pain. I'm a pain specialist and do a lot of research in chronic pain also to determine what are the factors that lead to chronic pain. So I started out with a book that was for patients to really help understand the risk factors and protective factors that really lead to chronic pain. And then as I got into it, I realized it could be a lot more intriguing and engaging if it was written more of a storyline. So I decided one of my favorite authors uh, was Dan Brown, and I decided to go ahead and write a romantic thriller. So that's what I tried to do with this book. Uh, Unbelievable idea. Started off doing a nonfiction, and then it turned into a, uh, I would call it a major work of fiction, 460 pages. That in itself is unusual. This is your first fictional novel that you've written. Well, I've done several nonfiction academic books on pain and the risk factors that contribute to pain. But this is the first book that I wrote in a story that is fiction. Uh, Now, when I started writing this, I... You know, I like to write. I enjoy writing. I've written, you know, hundreds of grants over the years uh, from uh, National Institute of Health. Uh, And I started writing. The story was so intriguing and so interesting to write in terms of a fiction storyline that I wrote 1,200 pages right off the bat. So this book is actually the first of a trilogy because I have this uh, narrative that follows through uh, this physician who is uh, discovering not only about himself, but about ways that he can really work with patients in a much more positive, uh, holistic manner. James, give my listeners a little insight into the background of the title, The Last Scroll. Where did that idea come from? Well, The Last Scroll is kind of a metaphor for the fact that the knowledge in the book is really an ancient wisdom that we've had over the centuries. There's There are things and concepts that are really common sense that have been recently validated in science, uh, but still, I wanted to choose a a medium for which the knowledge is brought to the characters within the book. And the last scroll is really 
interestingly enough, a Dead Sea Scroll that was discovered as a result of the knowledge that was in uh, the True to Life Copper Scroll. Now, the Copper Scroll was written during the time of Christ as a result of uh, the uh, Romans invading Jerusalem. And the leaders, the knowledge leaders at that time, decided they needed to put the knowledge down into some type of uh, lasting form, and they wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, one scroll, which was very intriguing, was a copper scroll. Now, everything else was on parchment, but the copper scroll particularly uh, was on copper foil to last forever. Well, the copper does break down, but they did discover it, and what's on the copper scroll was interesting. It is not what you expect to be knowledge of how they live and, and secrets of, of health and wellness uh, or religious beliefs, but it was more a place uh, of, of directions, locations, where they buried something. So the whole premise of the book is they, they decipher the Copper Scroll and they find these revealing uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, and one of them is the last scroll, which has this ancient uh, wisdom. And as they started translating this ancient wisdom, they realized that it has very contemporary implications with regard to how we live our lives currently. And it talks about the seven realms of our life and how we can uh, balance health and wellness within each of those realms. James, tell our listeners, where does this story take place, and is it a contemporary tale? Well, the last scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls, were discovered over the last 20, 30 years, and this particular last scroll was just discovered. And it was discovered in, uh, of course, around the Dead Sea area. But this, uh, the book of this is set in the contemporary world, going through and, and discovering this knowledge. It starts out in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, with a physician, uh, Ryan Laughlin, um, and he is a uh, physician who is very dedicated to his patients, but he lost his, he's young, he lost his wife recently to breast cancer, and he's very discouraged, uh, depressed, looking for a new answer. He goes to his clinic, and all he finds that he does is write prescriptions and see patients very quickly, and he, he just doesn't believe that that's the best way to manage patients. And so he, he hears about this research about the last scroll, the Dead Sea Scroll, that talks about this broad knowledge of uh, health and and, uh, and wellness. You also mention plagues in this book. What are your ideas on preventing plagues that may be on the horizon? Well, this book has lots of uh, metaphors in it, and, uh, and of course, uh, plagues are are things that you think of as infectious agents that spread around the world. But the plagues that I talk about in this book are based on a collective low energy of, of people. So when, when there's a lot of what I call zombies in the book, people who are low energy and you don't want to be around because they suck all the positive energy out of you, whether it's their negative self-statements, their comments to you, their criticisms, their, their actions that are abusive to people around. And the plagues are basically a proliferation of zombies. Uh, it's just like uh, real-life zombies. And uh, they promote plagues such as hate, war and conflict, illness and ignorance, poverty. Now, these are the plagues that are, are really contemporary plagues that are actually happening right now. And they definitely, since the turn of the century, since year 2000, they have been increasing dramatically, and all the statistics suggest this. 
we need to reverse these trends. And in the book, on the opposite side of the plagues, is how do you achieve blessings in life? Blessings in life, of course, things such as wisdom and, and health and wellness and truth and happiness, um, beauty. These are the things that really count in life. And how do you achieve those? And how do you, how do you achieve those with uh, actions that increase your energy and can help people who are zombies? And in the book, I call the people who are high energy and spreading positive energy around the world and, and wellness, I call them warriors. So, Zombies, Warriors, it's a very intriguing book. And Achieving the Seven Blessings of Life, are those the blessings you just described? Wisdom, health, happiness, and so on? Yes, right, exactly. The, the wisdom, prosperity, health and wellness, uh, peace and, and harmony in your life, happiness, uh, beauty and abundance from nature, um, feeling um, love of yourself and others. Um, and really having a balance of these uh, blessings in each of the seven realms. And the seven realms are interesting in themselves because there's a significant amount of scientific evidence suggesting that there are risk factors and protective factors in each of our lives that, that are in, within these seven realms. And the seven realms are the seven areas of our lives that we go through every day. Our mind, of course, our mind, body, emotions, and, and spiritual side, and then our way of life, our lifestyles that we have, and then our environment around us, which is really the natural environment or the physical environment, as well as the social environment, the people around us. These are our seven realms, and within the realms, we can have high or positive energy or negative energy and problems within the realm. And so these are some of the concepts that are conveyed within the last scroll, and were conveyed and written, you know, thousands of years ago during uh, Christ's time. Interesting. I'm sure you had a target audience. Who is going to find this a great read, do you think? Well, I don't have a target audience uh, only because it's such a broad-based book. I mean, it is a romantic thriller. I mean, and it's based in Italy. So they go from St. Paul to where their research is going on, the last scroll in Italy. And it's a small, small town called uh, Brizigala, Italy, which is a, a old Roman medieval spa town. They, so they have what's called the Terme, T-E-R-M-E. And that's an old Roman spa where they have these sulfur baths, and they have a research project going on there to investigate the knowledge within the, the last scroll. And they're using it with a very futuristic technology, similar to MR scans, that measure your electromagnetic energy around the human body. And they found that it correlates to these seven realms of your body. So you can measure whether you have high or low energy in each of the seven realms. So they're integrating this innovative uh, technology and research with this ancient wisdom in, in medieval Roman town uh, called Brizigala. But then the thriller aspects come in in that the research is not something that is embraced by uh, everybody. In fact, they believe that some people believe that it's heresy to even be doing research on an old biblical document and that that in itself will spread plagues around the world mm. through punishment. And so the, the messages are, are something that, um, you know, on both sides, there's bad guys, there's good guys, there's, there's competing romances, it's based in Italy, uh, and it has zombies and warriors. I think it has the potential to appeal to a very broad audience. Definitely a goal of a good author, appeal to a large audience. 
And I think you've achieved that in this novel, The Last Scroll. James, is there one scene in this book that stands out from the rest that really would be an attention grabber if it were ever put on film? Well, I think the, the climax of the book is, uh, is fabulous. It, it ends up where there's a confrontation between Ryan Laughlin, who's kind of a meek physician who falls in love with this Italian investigator, and the messenger, who is the bad guy, um, who is trying to actually save the world by stopping the research, is after the, prote- the female protagonist, Vanessa. And it, it occurs, the last scene occurs really on the top of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. They go up there for a romantic interlude, and the messenger heads up to the top of the tower, and they have this battle. This, uh, and I won't tell you what happens because I'd rather have people read the book. But it's a it's a great scene, a visually great scene, See, seeing the whole town of Pisa in the background as these two uh, people duke it out on top, and while well, Ryan is trying to protect the love of his life. It's uh, just the fact that it's it's uh, setting is is in Italy, is a, a charming and intriguing idea to begin with. I love Italy, and I think our readers, those who have not visited there, have that maybe on their on their go-to list, on their bucket list of places they'd love to visit. Is there anything or a, a specific way that you would introduce this book to someone who doesn't know about you or know the storyline? How would you do that? Well, I would recommend going to amazon.com and and just looking at the reviews i have um, you know it's it's the book is uh, currently available on amazon and uh, the reviews have been very good i'm i'm impressed with them and uh, that's just kind of what i would hope for is that not only is it a story that is compelling and interesting that is uh, uh handsome and attractive protagonists get together so it's a romance uh, it's a thriller and it has all this uh, these messages of really how to how to balance your own life and, and achieve the health and wellness that you really want and it's coupled with this ancient wisdom and futuristic technology and um, you know zombies warriors etc so uh, it the story is very compelling and interesting and what people seem to like about the book um, that they said in the in the uh, reviews uh, is that it's a great story. Uh, it's a th- romantic thriller that's, that's based in Italy with all the romance and fashion and food of Italy. My wife is from Italy, and so we go there on a regular basis. And all the food that I that we they serve to me is I just describe it in in great detail. So it's very tasty. And of course, the fashion too from Italy is really interesting, and the scenery. Uh, the Brizigala is an interesting town because it has these three ancient castles that are overlooking the town, and they are part of the not only the scenery, but uh, there's a restaurant on top of one of the castles that they have a they have a, a wonderful scene in. So, I think that uh, going to Amazon, looking at the reviews, I think you're going to like it. Well, I'm looking at some of the reviews right now, and uh, it's highlighted like this: intelligent and powerful. Didn't want to put it down is one of the reviews that you received. And another one says, one of those rare books that you sacrifice sleep for just to get through one more chapter. I couldn't put it down. These are fabulous reviews from people who have actually read your book. What were the challenges of writing a book of this magnitude? 540 pages. 
Well, it's very different than academic writing. Um, in one way, it's very freeing, so you can write whatever you want, come up with a story. But on the other hand, uh, how do you tell the story is different. In, in academic writing, I'm used to just telling what it is. But in fiction writing, you really have to show your audience. You have to illustrate through the characters and what happens to them and what they're thinking and what they're saying in the conversations. And that is a very different way of writing. And so I studied uh, for actually probably a whole year on how to write a fiction book uh, prior to doing this. The other thing that was is very difficult, of course, is to um, edit it so that it's completely error-free. And as other authors out there understand, that that's a difficult process in itself. And having a good editor is, is such a wonderful thing. And, and even even with a wonderful editor, as you read back through it, you always see little things that you would like to be different or errors that you see that uh, you you wanted to change. Um, but that's probably the hardest part. I mean, the creativity is the easiest part, coming up with great stories and characters and actions and lines. Uh, there's a lot of humor in this, uh, too. There's a lot of uh, uh, different directions, uh, kind of... Um, that uh, you're, you're surprised, uh, and so there's. I think it's a. I'm proud of the book, and, and I hope everybody enjoys it. One of uh, one of the reviews, which was interesting, uh, said that uh, this book was so much more than I ever thought it would be. Uh, this is Lori from uh, Rockford, Minnesota. I've read it four times from cover to cover, and each time I get something new out of it. Are you sure this is fiction, she says, and that's, that's kind of what it sums it up. It's, there's a lot of layers in this book, and uh, reading it once, you may not pick up a lot of things. Reading it twice, uh, you'll pick up more, but it, uh, it's a book that uh, one of my uh, uh, colleagues said is a book for the ages and wisdom for a lifetime, so it's a must-read. James, thank you for sharing the background information and the story behind the story of the book, the novel, The Last Scroll. Thank you for joining me today. Where do we get copies of this book? Well, you can get it through Amazon, um, and it's uh, also on Barnes & Noble website uh, and several other Goodreads uh, red website, iUniverse website. Um, so it's easy to order, easy to find. And do you also have a website? Yes, we do. You can order it through, uh, it's uh, www.thelastscroll.com, and uh, it goes into some of the pictures and scenery that uh, is in Italy. In addition, I want to mention that it will be the focus for a MOOC course uh, at, from the University of Minnesota. So a MOOC course is a massive, open, online course, and the title of the course is Prevention of chronic pain, a human systems approach. And the book will be used as kind of a, a narrative storyline throughout the course to engage students to help understand their seven realms, you know, how to, how to be a warrior, not a zombie, and a lot of good information about preventing chronic pain. Very interesting. I would recommend that our listeners get connected with that particular lecture series. It will be on www.coursera.com. Coursera.org. Thank you, James, for joining me today. Okay, thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. For iUniverse, this is Jay Douglas Barker.
You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you. Here on Connect with Juliana, through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage. Connect with Juliana in media.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our book title today is Between the Rows, and our author is Anne Barnett. Thank you, Anne, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Interesting title. It doesn't really reveal much of the storyline, although the back of your book does give a slight look into what might be ahead. David Wayne Russell is ready to feel young and free again as he makes his way home to Kentucky from Vietnam. From there, the story begins. And share with our listeners the reason that you decided you wanted to write this book. What motivated you? Well, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, um, I was a young woman, and um, growing marijuana became all around me. There were some young men who got involved in it, and I was always fascinated and curious about their families. I knew some of them personally, and it, it touched me that this could destroy families. But yet they were such good people, so it motivated me. I had the, the idea in my head for about 20 years, and when I retired, I had time to, to try to put it on paper. It's uh, It was a challenge for me, but I hope I've come across as... Uh, getting to the reader that this actually happened. The book opens by mentioning that David Wayne Russell is about to take a layover or a stop in Los Angeles on his way back to Kentucky from the war zone. And his fiancée, Libby, has a premonition that he should not do so. And from there, the story takes a twist. He makes some choices that may not be the best. Tell us about those. Some very bad choices. 
but it, he was such a good person. And uh, that's, that really tells the story of what happened in this community. They got caught up into something that was bigger than they were. And this just escalated. So I wanted to tell the story that these people were into a culture that that part of the country is where bourbon whiskey is made and horse racing and tobacco. They looked at it as a commodity, if that makes any sense. Yes. It's, it was a part of their culture to get involved in something that had been traditional there for a long time. And um, it got bigger than they were. I love the imaginative name of your other character, Liberty Monroe. She and David have a long-term relationship that goes back to their childhood and even grade school. And yet, yes. she has this premonition he shouldn't stop in Los Angeles. As crazy as it sounds, all these years I had pieced together how I wanted to put it into words. And it would come to me in dreams. It would, I would just know how that I was going to write it. And when I first started, I started with the rough draft, and then bit by bit, it just came together. It, there, there are basic facts in here that are true. It's just that uh, I, I really wanted to come across how passionate I was about how it affected a family. And your family has a history of being storytellers, you told me. Yes, yes. Uh, we had poor TV reception. <laughs> We lived in the knobs, and there was poor TV reception. So my grandparents and parents would tell stories. And I was fascinated how true to life they could make them. So hopefully that's a, something maybe that I picked up from them. Now there's a name or a story or a, a word I've not heard described before. What is a knob? Okay, that's not really a mountain. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and yet it's not a rolling hill either. It's uh, It's just a formation that... There's lots of valleys in between, river valleys and rich farmland. And these these farms are where I grew up. These people are my, these are my roots. And that's what we call uh, something call between a, a hill and a, and a, and a mountain. It's, it's, we call them knobs. Interesting. Very very colloquial for your, your part of the country, uh, one I'd not heard before. So I'm happy to be enlightened about that. You talk about marijuana, and prior to this in the interview, you mentioned that the area that you're from, historically, they uh, have a tradition rooted in whiskey development and also in uh, tobacco farming. They make bourbon, bourbon whiskey. Bourbon There's whiskey is four long. distillers right around me. Amazing. Yes. Maker's Mark, uh, Whitford Reserve, Jim Bean. They were all, you know, that history of bourbon and tobacco farming and these were all commodities. Yes. It's different how a farmer looks at a supply and demand. In your book, the underlying theme or the underlying story is the prevalence or the production of marijuana. How did you learn about marijuana? Because it was happening around me. When, when these young men got involved in it, these were people I grew up with, and they were just such good people, and yet they made poor choices, suffered greatly for it. And you've managed to put 190 pages of interesting story together in Between the Rows. Who do you think this will appeal to as a book and as an adventure to read? You know, I think with marijuana in the, in the news now, it's become kind of controversial. And, you know, I think anybody who loves a good story, or, and especially one that has a little bit of truth to it, I think that's going to appeal to a lot of people. 
how did you come up with the names of the characters in your book? Those are unique as well. Well, where I come from, double names are really common. Uh, Johnny Mac, David Wayne. These are these are common names that are double names. They're uh, it's just real common out there, and I tried to stay true to my to my roots. And in reading your book, there's a lot of characters, great personalities. Do you think that's a reflection of your own personality traits by any chance? Oh God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that I I uh, can portray my own personality through this. That how we're such decent people, and we just. You know, good people make bad choices sometimes. That's the underlying theme of what your book is about then. Yes, yes. And what is the underlying message or theme that you want people to take away from the read of Between the Rows? That um, good people make bad mistakes. That sometimes good can come out of it. You learn a lot of lessons when you see what's happening around you. Um, it's It's just a great little read. Your book has romance in it, which every, well, I'll say everybody, but most people are attracted to. But there's not a lot of dialogue. Why did you choose to leave it a mystery? I like to leave my readers with uh, some imagination. And I didn't really want it to be a romantic novel per se. It had a lot of, it had a lot of depth to it about family and, well, marijuana too. But the idea that I didn't really want it to be a romantic novel. And you have to write what you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, an authority on romance novels. And how long did it take you to complete the book once you got your storyline assembled and got on the creative side of writing? Like I say, I had the idea for, for 20 years. But I retired from a major manufacturing company, and I had time. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And writing the book through that year of recovery was my therapy. Wonderful. And as a first-time published author, how would you introduce Between the Rows to someone who doesn't know you? Well, that it's a love story with a marijuana twist. <laughs> does, that sound, does that sound too easy? <laughs> well, it, it sounds interesting. Thank you. It sounds like a mint julep you've described, though. Exactly. That's exactly where I come <laughs> from. What is the, the demographic? Who do, who do you think is going to, what age range is going to enjoy reading this, do you think? Oh, I hope I hope a wide range of of readers. Um, it's it's it has it's, of course if it's a, it's about a man, so that might appeal to the gentleman. Um, and the women, the romance part may may intrigue them. But I think the marijuana theme is going to attract a lot of maybe young people who are making up their minds now about whether to legalize marijuana or not. And what is the one thing you'd like readers to take away from reading your book? That I was passionate about writing it, that I wanted people to see that this was a lovely place to live and that what happened wasn't a reflection on the people who lived there, even though there is a stigma still attached to this, to that that same little county. Yes. We've, uh, We've been known as, you know, the capital of marijuana, but it really wasn't what this county's about. It's a beautiful place, great people. Describe the time frame that this book is set in. Well, the actual happening happened in about probably 12 to 15 years. But to make a, a good story, I, I you know, condensed it to about uh, three to five years. Three to five years, and is it set in the 70s, 80s, 90s? 
70s and uh, early 80s. 70s and early 80s. Well, probably, let's see, it happened in the 70s and early 80s, but let's let's say in my book, I pretty much condensed it to uh, three years in the 70s. Excellent. So that gives us a time frame. Is there mm-hmm. any, I would call it action scenes in here, or events that would stand out if they were made into a movie of the week? Oh, my goodness, it'd be perfect for that. Yes, we have romance. We have crime. We have the police, their their involvement. Um, it's just it's just it covers so many things. What was what was challenging about this? This is your first novel. Uh, yes. Were there challenges besides the uh, aspect of finding a publishing house, or were there storyline challenges that you had to overcome? No, um, I knew what I wanted to write. I just wanted to make it readable. Um, I wasn't. You know, I had no writing background, but it came to me. And as it came to me, I knew it was going to be a good read. I just, you just know. It's like a, it's like a great song. When you hear it, you go, that's it. 190 pages is not a, a super long book to read, so most of us with a short attention span could get through this and probably enjoy the, the journey. Where can we get copies of your book? Well, right now it's available on Amazon. Uh, and then it'll be in bookstores in a, a few weeks. I don't even have a copy myself yet. It's uh, being sent to me this week. So it's just, you're on the cutting edge. It's cutting just edge now available on, on Amazon. The title, Between the Rows, where did that idea come from? Because they grew marijuana between the rows of corn. Between the rows of corn. That explains that. Well, thank you for sharing time with me today and discussing the book, Between the Rows, our author, Anne Barnett. And are you planning to write a sequel to this, or are you planning something in the future that uh, our listeners could could read? This book, these characters have all kinds of layers. And because it is a short book, I would like to expand on them. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it comes, comes about. I'm excited about the whole thing. Well, best of luck in the future. And if our listeners want to get in touch or keep in contact with you and your writing adventures, they can do a search online under Ann Barnett. That's A-N-N, last name B-A-R-N-E-T-T. And they'll find out about the next book that possibly will crop up in the series. Wouldn't that be wonderful? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, best of luck with this, Ann. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Jay. For iUniverse, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio 
with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for iUniverse. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Menopausal Killer Sharks, an intriguing title, and our author is Jan Atkinson. Jan, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. The book is interesting to look at. Um, You have four animated-looking sharks drawn on your cover. Jan, how would you describe your cover for our listening audience? Um, The cover is the girls. We have a librarian, a lawyer, um, a fashionista, and a homemaker. So the characters, Francine, Samantha... um, they all ca- carry cover the various characteristics of women in the world. So it, it tries to provide broad coverage to anybody in helping them survive menopause, dating, and all the issues that are associated with going past the age of 50. Okay, and you said broad coverage. All of your four characters are depicted as sharks on the uh, on the cover. Like, as a, a person of the male uh, gender, that's scary to me. Um, is is this book? Is it intended to be a parody? Is it intended to be entertainment? How would you describe the the basic premise of what you've done? It's funny. It it tries to take women um, through the later years of life and dealing with issues that are very, very painful in a humorous form. And the girls became sharks because one day they were at a swimming pool and they were laughing and had way too much to drink and one of the sharks put her hand up on her head and they were going through the water like the great white. Um, And that became their name. So from that day on, they were the um, menopausal killer sharks, and wow. they managed to swim around the pool and chase everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> what was the motivation behind this storyline? It's just fun activities of what they have, and um, women being comfortable within themselves as they as they age. Women who are no longer um, hundred and ten pounds when they're in their bathing suits and still being empowered to have fun as you would do if you were in college still. Did you observe any of these characters' activities in real life and incorporate them into the storyline? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Many of the stories are from sitting around with girlfriends over the year, talking about their disasters in dating, the what it's like to look up in the morning and all of a sudden your face is, you know, your jaws have dropped and you kind of look like a basset hound. Um, you know, when when you look down and your your boobs are, you know, below your waist and what do you do with it? And, and trying to feel attractive and still um, recognize that you're that you're old and putting it aside uh-huh. and the stories go they they reach back so the narrator tells stories from her past and brings it brings it up to date you know dreadful stories when she was pregnant and had a kid and and all the challenges that went through it and you know why did i do this um now i'm going to be a grandmother do i really want to have you know, babies around again. I thought I escaped that. And then it's women that sit around and talk and are always there for each other. So 
if one of the one of the sharks gets in trouble or needs help, it's the bonding between the women that they all rush to the other person's side and try to help them solve the problems in life. So it's it's also about the relationships between women and the importance of friends through laughter and tears, through dating, through a, one of the sharks' husbands being sick with cancer and how you handle it. So it's real life. Real life. It, it, it takes sex in the city and to the next level, to the next decade. The, of the next decade. I was wondering if you were going to say the next level. I guess they both would apply, and, and your descriptive... <laughs> I almost of, <laughs> said level, actually. Uh, disc- but decade sounded better. It so, did sound a little know. better. Your descriptive of the uh, bodily changes could be adapted to a lot of guys I've met as well. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and it talks about, you know, the, the frustrations in dating and, and how to get information, you know, from a date. How do, how do you... How do you interview a guy? Because, you know, when the sharks were young, when I was young, you know, you met at people in college and on the, you know, in the workplace. Well, now you're into dating online. And um, so how do you pre-screen a guy? How do you find out, you know, if, if you're talking to them on the phone or on the Internet? How do you find out whether they have hair, whether they're fat, whether they have teeth? what their economic status is. So the book has ideas for vetting uh, potential dates. Yeah. So and, got- and they're lessons learned. You know, one of the girls has a checklist, and it, it's things you forget to ask, and then how it backfires. So during the book, it continually up- updates the checklist in uh, finding the perfect spouse. Hmm. So guys over 50 who are in the dating scene should probably also read this so they can get their checklist together. Absolutely. You need to know that checklist. (laughs) Need to have your checklist. Uh, From the writing process, did you proceed by writing an outline of characters, or did you just start with an inspirational idea and run with it? No, I actually created characters, and I... they're combinations of people I know. Some of the characters are the best and worst features of people I know and then have been filled in. So I created four women that I, that I knew by the time it was done. And um, I created in a book their history. This girl grew up here. This is what her family was like. This one grew up here, and, and that was her family. like, And... The book is written from the perspective of one of the women um, and introduces how they all got to meet each other. But but I didn't just sit down and write and say, oh, here's a fun story. No, it, was, it was stories about the individual women and how they integrate. So it could be described as thoughtfully crafted. Yes, I would. They're, they are. Um, and each the first chapter kind of brings you up to an introduction of each of the women and their unique personalities. And then each woman gets her own chapter, so you get to delve down a little bit more and find out, you know, what makes them tick. And you either will like some of the characters or you will just go, oh, my gosh, <laughs> she is a real dreadful bitch. <laughs> or a train wreck waiting yeah, to happen. That's right. <laughs> there are guidelines, or are there guidelines in your book related to dating and love? 
or do you have any that you share with people that you meet? Oh, they're, they're guidelines. In one of the chapters, it, it does, it provides guidelines um, on, on what you want to think about. For example, um, if you're trying to figure out a guy, whether or not you, you want to date a guy, you need to get a picture of him. I mean, that's the first thing you want to do. So when you look online, you see these pictures, and they all look like George Clooney. So you need to have, require that the picture have the guy in a Speedo, standing on the beach, by a lifeguard stand. Fighting off sharks. Holding, holding the newspaper so you can see what the date is and smiling. Hmm. Because that's going to tell you a lot about the guy. Because the newspaper is key. Men and women put pictures online from 10 years before. Then you meet the guy and we're woman, as the case may be, and you go, oh, my gosh, is this your college picture? I thought that you were 60 years old. So that takes all the questions out. You find out height, weight, teeth, hair, and it's dated. Well, you could send a picture of your teeth if they are store-bought. <laughs> you know, one of the requirements was do your teeth stay in at night. You know, they're important. That's an important issue. Yeah, I had a friend that did a parody song on... Uh on dating and marriage in the uh, in the retirement home, and it was hilarious. Uh, why do you think forgiveness is so important, and why do you accent that or mention that in your in your novel? Well, forgiveness is important because we all make mistakes. We all say things that we don't mean. We hurt each other's feelings, and if you draw the barrier because of one silly event, you're going to wind up at 60 years old without any friends. So we always need to look, look beyond um, actions that we all could regret, particularly if you've been out drinking. You just need to get past it and forgive people and look at individuals on, on who they really are. And that's what the girls are all about. You, you may not like some of the characteristics of your friend, but you like who they are inside. And that's that's all tied to forgiveness. Are those all based on actual acquaintances of yours? Somewhat. Somewhat. But no one could... I mean, some of the girls have looked at this and said, is this me? And they're going, no, that's you. It is, it's truly an amalgamation of my friends and filling out their characters the way they would be to make it an interesting novel. Good choice. Uh, I think retaining friendships is important, obviously, from the way you've uh, structured your novel. Is there an underlying message, or is there, are there some key points that you think, boy, I hope the readers get this? <laughs> well, some of it is, is, I think everybody can look at it and, and take it a different way. Some of the girls have characteristics that are really not endearing, um, with being selfish, maybe not the most kind to other people and are self-centered. Other so maybe if people have some of those characteristics, they can say, ooh, this is how other people would think of me. Other, other, other girls are um, not necessarily the prettiest or the brightest or the thinnest, but they're the ones that are out there and get all the dates. So that shows that you don't have to be the Barbie doll to have friends and get women. 
another character is a little mousy and is so not sure of herself because she hasn't been out in the corporate world and has been a stay-at-home mom, and it teaches her, that kind of woman, how you can change if you want to, to get rid of some of your um, intimidations on going out in the world. So they're lessons learned. I would sort of describe that as uh, reality TV meets sex in the city. Would that be a good description? (laughs) Yeah, pretty close to it. (laughs) Pretty close to it. So setting for your story. When does it take place? Um, The the story is is in present time, but it does go back into the past. So it's it's real-life experiences now, um, but it goes back into the earlier parts of... um, of the of the girls' lives as they grow up, so you get to know who they are. But it's a present day; it's, it's set in in the two thousand time frame. Any challenges in writing this bo- this uh, this I was going to say this body novel, but no, I meant in this in in writing this this. Uh, apologies, Jan. I may have to edit that out. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Jan, is there has there been any challenges in in writing this first novel or this novel that you have uh, created? No, you know, it has been totally fun. I It has taken me back into stories of my life that are happy or sad. Um, and, and you think about things that you've regretted, and, and it's a chance to put them on paper and make them funny and provide lessons for, for women, but where you can just laugh and, and be freed and, and recognize that everybody has done crazy things in their lives. And, and it, it's made to entertain, but kind of give some fun guidelines as you get older. Thank you, Jan, for joining me today and sharing the insight into menopausal killer sharks. Jan Atkinson, where do we get copies of your book? You can buy them from iUniverse um, or from Amazon.com or go to menopausalkillersharks.com and order it from there. Fabulous. All and the bookstores are carrying it. Thank are you. they? Wonderful. Are there other books in the future that you plan there to is, there, there is a sequel, um, Shark Attack, The Girls Are Back. <laughs> wonderful wonderful uh, title. I love it. Uh, this is uh, a fun read, I guess. I, As a guy, I'm oh. a little bit nervous about reading it, but I, I, from what you've <laughs> described, I think I could learn some things. Oh, you can, you can. All right, Jan, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. For iUniverse, this is Jay Douglas Barker. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is produced by TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.